Welcome to Grace Church of Philly. Welcome to another celebration of the resurrection of Christ. This is the 16th celebration of Christ's resurrection in 2022. And if you don't know what I mean by that is uh, the Lord designed one day a week, the Lord's Day, for God's people to gather and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Uh, this is a nice celebration, Easter. It's a man-made one, but God's is even better. 52 times a year, we gather and celebrate our risen Lord. So welcome to Grace Church of Philly. Welcome to those that are watching from different places in the world. I have good news for you. Uh, last week, I had 22 pages of sermon notes. <laughs> and this week, I have 11. Now, I'm not sure that that translates into shorter messages because those who interpret know that I'm not very good at following closely my notes. But I have a wonderful text this morning. I hope it's as encouraging to you as it was to me as I thought it through this week. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. It is a pre-resurrection text text with a post-resurrection fulfillment. Listen to Jesus's words as he speaks to his disciples on the evening prior to his crucifixion. John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have an answer to the question, what happens when a believer dies? Where does he go? And Jesus answers that question. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you in my father's house, a house that has many rooms. Paul would later tell us that the moment we are absent from the body, in that very moment, we will be present with the Lord. It'll be in a place called heaven. Ultimately, it'll be a new heaven and a new earth in which the people of God dwell. But the anticipation of believers is we want to be in heaven with our Father, with His Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught us to pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven... On the third day after Jesus rose from the dead, 
as we say in our Apostles' Creed each week, he ascended to heaven. What is he doing in heaven? Well, we know he's doing a number of things. He is interceding for us all of the time. He is holding everything together in the universe by the word of his power. He is ruling over all things, every square inch of the universe, of your mind, of your life, he is ruling. But our text today tells us he is preparing a place for those who believe in him, who follow him. We actually know a lot more in detail about hell than we know about heaven. But what we know about heaven is certainly inviting. We know that it's a place where God dwells with his people. It's a place where sin and the effects of sin do not exist. Listen to some of the words of the Apostle John. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Yes, heaven is a place where God dwells in his people, with his people, where sin does not exist, where the effects of sin do not exist. Heaven is described, I would say, mostly in metaphorical terms. That is, they are physical and material terms, but they are metaphorical. Is heaven really a place where trees are? Are there really streets of gold? Maybe, but Revelation is, you know, much built on much figure of speech. So I'm not sure what heaven is, but what I am sure is that it is a place of absolute beauty. It is a place of comfort. It is a place of rest. It is a place of worship. It is a place where we enjoy relationship and fellowship with God for all eternity. In another text by John in Revelation 22, he describes it this way. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. There will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Again, I'm not sure what those metaphors, those figures of speak, speech actually represent, but it's certainly telling us that heaven is a place of indescribable beauty, a place that is filled with the incredible glory of God, 
a place of unending worship, a place of eternal victory as we reign with our God forever and ever. And if you're a believer in Christ, then there's something within you that longs for this place called heaven. And if you're not a believer in Christ, there's still something in you that longs for this place of comfort, of rest, of security, of beauty. You long for that. You don't know what it is, but there's something within you because God has placed eternity in your heart. You know there's something more than what you're experiencing, something better than what you're experiencing. Your hope, of course, is that if you got enough money, if you had enough friends, if you lived in a nice enough place, that what your heart longs for, you would actually find here. But the truth is, you will never find that perfect beauty, that perfect rest, that perfect comfort, that place of worshiping the one true God in its perfection until you wake up in heaven. From our text today, I want us to think about a couple of reasons why we should long for heaven, why we should be encouraged by the thoughts of heaven. As I just said, first of all, heaven is the home your heart desires. Heaven is more than just the Father's home. That is, it's more than just a structure. It's more than just a place. But it's a place where people live with God. It's a place where people behold the glory of God. As Revelation 22 said, in heaven we will behold the face of God. Ever since the fall, Ever since Adam and Eve lived in that beautiful garden, enjoying all of the blessing of God's perfect creation, walking with God as he came to visit them in the garden day by day, enjoying rest and comfort and safety and beauty and the absence of sin, that was the wonderful life that God designed for mankind. But we know that sin came and they were driven from the garden. And ever since then, every one of us, every human being has a longing to go home. You know, even if your home was not a welcome place, there's still something in your heart that longs to go someplace where you could go home. I can remember even in my years of rebellion, you know, there were times that I wanted to get away from my parents and their authority. But then there were times when I was so empty inside and so hurting inside and so unrestful inside that the thought of home, the thought of sleeping in a warm bed, of eating my mother's cooking, of being held in my mother's arms. There's just something about going home and finding a place of rest, a place of comfort. Many people didn't have that kind of a home where it was a welcome place to go. 
But even then, you sought for a place you could call home, maybe a a friend's home or a grandmother's home where you can enjoy comfort and peace and good food and laughter, a place called home. When a believer passes from this world, they go home, not just to any home. They go into the home of the Father of Jesus Christ, a home, Jesus says, in my Father's house. And that longing is in you. You know what you know when you are talking to somebody who's not a believer who wants to give you the pretense that their life is good, their life is happy, uh, they don't need God, they don't need anything, their life is fine, they don't want to hear about Jesus. I can guarantee you that there's something inside their own heart that agrees with what you're saying, that when they put their head on the pillow at night and think about their life, there is a longing for home. There's a longing for that place of comfort and rest and peace. And there is no home like the Father's home because there is no father like the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father who created you, who gave you life, who gave you freedom to live in this world, a father who loves you in your rebellion and continues to pursue you in your rebellion, a father who rescues you from your trouble, who redeems you from your sin through the sacrifice of his unique eternal son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no father like the father of Jesus Christ. There is no home like the home of this father. And let me say to everyone who's listening today, one day you will wake up in an eternal home. And you will either rest forever and enjoy peace forever and beauty forever, and the presence of God forever, and the absence of sin forever, or you will wake up in a home called hell, a home that is everything that you don't want a home to be, a home of fear, a home of destruction, a home of sorrow, a home of hate, a place where you will never, ever rest Imagine eternal insomnia, never being able to rest from the anguish of your soul. Heaven is the assurance that our heart desires. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. He's simply saying, heaven has enough room for you. In my father's house, there's many rooms. And in one way or, the, uh, or another, we all know what it is to be left out or shut out. We all know rejection. In some sense, we've all experienced in some way where someone has said there's not room 
for you here. Maybe it was a school you couldn't get into, or a team that you weren't good enough to make, or a restaurant that had no tables available, or the flight that is overbooked, or the hotel that lost your reservation, the conversation that becomes quiet when you enter the room. None of us are included in everything. All of us are excluded from something. The question is, is Jesus preparing a room for you? Is there a room for you in heaven? Is there a reservation for you that will not be canceled? Jesus says the Father's house has many rooms. He can accommodate you. You will be happy with your eternal accommodations. But the only way you can live in that room where you can meet the Father in heaven is if you first meet him, meet his son at the cross. If you have begun to taste the rest that Jesus offers you in himself, then you can be sure that you will have a place of eternal rest. I love the old gospel song, there's room at the cross for you. The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide. And its grace so free is sufficient for me and deep is its fountain as wide as the sea. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. And because there's room at the cross for you, there is room in heaven for you. One of those rooms can have your name on it, reserved for John Davis, who rested, began to taste the rest of Jesus Christ in September of 1970. And now, his place of eternal rest in the Father's house, a room reserved for John Davis. Heaven is a special place prepared by someone who loves you. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. It is a prepared place by someone who loves you. You know, it's, it's nice to go somewhere and know they were expecting you. I expect that after church today, we will go to one of my son's house and he will have prepared a nice piece of meat on his grill and I know there's cheesecake prepared, and I know there's uh, uh, deviled eggs prepared, and I'm sure there's all, it's nice to go to some place, and it is prepared for you. And not only what you were expecting, but, but more than what you're expecting. I've been to some great banquets in life, some great parties, I've stayed at some very nice places where every detail was taken care of in consideration of your coming. 
I can only imagine the preparation that Jesus is making for you and for me. On the other hand, I've arrived at some places expecting more than I received and left disappointed. I think of one just last Labor Day weekend when Dawn and I went down to visit Bedford, Virginia. We went to uh, inter her dad's remains in a cemetery there. And so we had made reservations at a Days end by Wyndham. And, you know, the word Wyndham normally means this is a, owned by a, a quality motel chain. But from the moment I drove into the lot full of potholes, I had questions about whether or not I wanted to stay there. And when I walked inside and met the receptionist, I had more doubt. I asked for the key. I was suspicious at this point, so I asked for the key to check out the room first. So I walked over the broken sidewalk, up broken stairs, down an unpainted hallway, to a room that smelled like cigarettes, torn furniture, a bed that looked like somebody had just slept in it, And I said, Dawn, you have to see this, and she didn't have to see much. We were out of there. (laughs) But we drove 20 miles to a place where the moment we walked into the lobby, we knew this was going to be a place of rest. It was beautiful. It was welcoming. The room was, I mean, it was night and day. I confess, I don't know exactly what it means that Jesus is preparing a place. I don't think my mind has the capacity to to think about his infinite ability to create a place of beauty and rest. But I can see from his original creation even though it's marred somewhat by the effects of the fall, that Jesus knows a lot about design, about beauty, about functionality. Look at the world that you're living in. I think if you want to get maybe a little foretaste of of the beauty of heaven, you, you visit Longwood Gardens or you, you, you go to the Philadelphia Flower Show and you go to places of incredible beauty and begin to realize this is just a taste of what Jesus Christ is preparing. If man in his fallenness can take God's creation and bring about, put, bring together such beauty, Imagine what Jesus Christ is preparing for you and me. I think every sight of incredible beauty is a foretaste of the place that Christ is preparing for you. I think that's why we like to plant gardens. We like to put beautiful pictures on our walls. Uh, Hopefully, not just because they're beautiful, but because Every taste of beauty is a foretaste of what Jesus Christ is preparing for us. I think this is why we like spring so much. 
when beauty comes alive. Spring is a foretaste of heaven. It makes you smile when you see something beautiful. But imagine the smile on your face when God takes you from this world, when you who have come to Christ and are beginning to learn to rest in Christ, when you wake up in the presence of God in a place of eternal beauty. I think it's obvious that God created us with this love for beauty. I think it's probably why life in this world begins in a garden. In the Bible, life begins in a beautiful garden, and it ends in a beautiful garden. We've all familiar with the, the contemporary song, I Can Only Imagine. I can remember when my mom was dying in her uh, last months, she loved that song. To imagine what is heaven like? Well, we know that he's preparing a place of beauty, of rest, of comfort, of sinlessness, of his presence, of worship. And by the way, if you're a believer, all of that is what you want, what you long for, not just the beauty, the rest, the comfort, the security, but the presence of God, the worship. You find joy in that today. And because you find joy in that today, when you wake up in the presence of God in that place he's prepared for you, you will have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I go to prepare this place for you. I, the one who am the living water, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the door into the safety of the sheephold. I, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, I am going to prepare a place for you. And hopefully your heart says, and I long for that. Or as Paul says, we, we groan for that. The whole creation groans for something better than what this world is. Heaven is the relationship your heart desires, the relationship you've always wanted. Jesus says, I'm doing this so that where I am, there you will be also. Now think about that for a moment. Because if that means nothing to you, you're in trouble. If it means nothing to you to have Jesus with you, for you to be with Jesus, why would that mean anything to these disciples? Because they had believed in him. They knew who he was. They had trusted him. They'd enjoy, enjoyed his forgiveness. I want you to be where I am. There you will be also. Because this is what we were created for. We were created for a relationship with the living God. And with, if we are living with Jesus now, day by day, 
then we can be sure that we will live with him forever, that where he will be, where he is now, there we will be also. It is very unlikely that those who have no love for Christ now, no thoughts of Christ now, no obedience to Christ now, no worship of Christ now, will ever have a great anticipation of living with Christ forever. The songwriter wrote these words that often move my heart and my soul. He wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high, hide me, O my Savior, hide till the storm of life is past, safe into the haven guide. O receive my soul at last. Thou, O Christ, art all I want, more than all in thee I find. Raise the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick, and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. False and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. Plenteous grace with thee is found. Grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound. Make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art, freely take me, freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart, rise to all eternity. Again, to not have those thoughts of Christ, to not have that longing for Christ, to not live with Jesus Christ in this moment, likely means that you will never enjoy that rest in the Father's home. To live without Jesus now is to live without knowing the deepest, greatest love for which you were created. And to die without Jesus is to live eternally without ever having experienced the most faithful love that one can know. What is heaven? It is essentially an eternal relationship with the one who is perfectly good, perfectly kind, and who will never disappoint you. That's what Jesus said life eternal is. He said this is life eternal in John 17, 3. That you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Eternal life begins now through faith in Christ and it continues in the Father's house throughout all eternity. It appears that Thomas listened to what Jesus said and he wanted it. He was a wise man attracted by the promise of a prepared place in the Father's house But Thomas is not sure the way there. He says to Christ, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
and those familiar words, just as powerful and true today, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one, no one will come to that Father's house, no, will, no one will enjoy that perfect rest, that perfect beauty, that perfect security, that place that's free of sin, no one will come to the Father but by me. And he's not saying that to exclude you. He's saying that to invite you. He's saying, I am the way. Take me. Follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. I am the way. He is the life that is guaranteed by his resurrection, a life that neither sin nor death could extinguish. He arose, as we sing, a victor over the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, he arose. And right now, he's preparing a place for you, if you'll believe him. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, may there not be one today who sits here or who listens from their home who will take another five minutes in life without knowing that they belong to you, without knowing that there is a place, an eternal place prepared for them in your presence. Help them in this moment, Father, to come to Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Right where you are this morning, wherever you are, in the quietness of your heart, you can receive forgiveness, new life, become a child of the Father, and be sure that there is an eternal place with your name on it in the Father's house. Just simply, right where you are, cry out to God, Father, I know that I have rebelled against you. I have sinned. And today, I repent. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again and offers me new life. And today, I accept that offer. I trust Jesus. I surrender to him. Father, give new life, eternal life today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.